0: Hello and welcome back to Christianity, commandeer, and I'm your host, Dan Hayward. And today I have a special guest today, Alex Wilson. How are you doing today? I'm doing fine. Great. How are you Thanks doing? for being doing great. Uh, well, actually, I'm a little under the weather. Hopefully it's clear. My voice gets a little lower when I get uh, on the verge. My family's all sick, uh, and I thought I was going to weather it and not be hit with it, but we're still, still waiting to see that. Um, today, the topic is... Are Christians as moral as atheists? And this has special significance for me uh, because I grew up in a world, basically a unipolar uh, world that there was Christianity and then there was everything else. And basically, if you were not on the team, you were an other. Uh, And uh, probably easily I could say that I looked down on or I was judgmental of those uh, people or just just very questioning, just thinking like, ooh, you're not. How could you not be Christian? Like we're all Christian, um, which is a little ironic because I also uh, went to schools that were very he- heavily populated by Mormons, and that always created a, a, an instability in kind of faith traditions because that was that was always a battle uh, between uh, the Christian communities. And now I understand that Mormons consider themselves Christian. Um, growing up as a as a Protestant Christian, that was that was not a thing. We we were. Uh, at a, it, you know, like, almost like a Cold War, so to speak. Uh, I didn't have that many arguments uh, with the Mormons, but I liked the Mormons. Uh, they were my friends. We spent time together. Uh, we played sports together. Uh, but we still probably had this look down at anyone outside that uh, world. I didn't know any atheists. I didn't know agnostics, um, and I really the the first one I met is is on the show today. I'll, I'll uh, put that little out there. Uh, so we're going back to the time. And these are the the times of myth and, and legend. So this is this is 2001. Um, actually, 9/11 had just happened, and I was going to live on uh, on house cam- uh, campus housing uh, called Highland Hall, which of course now has been demolished. Um, even though they renovated it right around the time we were there, and I was going to what I called the dark side of the state. And what I meant by that is kind of the lack, lacking religion, lacking faith, morals, that kind of stuff. Uh, very quick on the front, judgmental of anyone outside of my my uh, faith tradition. And uh, I remember moving in, I, I was living with my twin brother, and we'd moved into Highland Hall, which is like a Motel 6 at best. Huge windows in the front, uh, concrete, palace, uh, I believe, perhaps Sarah Canick had, had called it the zoo. Uh, maybe that was should be credited to someone else. Um, but you kind of knew your neighbors because you'd walk down, you'd see them in there. And I, I we walk down our our hall, and I look into this this window at the end, and I see Alex and and I think Jeff, uh, not my brother, but there's another Jeff, uh, Bridges out there, and I see all these gaming systems, um, all up to speed, right? So this is 2001. So I think Alex, is that is that PS1 or was the PS2 who just got out? I can't remember.
1: Oh, the PS2 we didn't get for. I think we got it next year, actually.
0: Okay, uh, so I'm seeing all these systems, and I could see. I think at least Super Nintendo was there. I don't remember if the Nintendo was sitting there, but I thought. Uh, and either Jeff or I looked at him and said, "We are going to have to be friends." Uh, it was quite obvious. It was in the cards, um, and so we we formed kind of a, a quick relationship and friendship with with Alex and Jeff and my brother, and there were some other people in what we call the stacks. Um, that uh, were friends with Jeff and Alex and knew them. And um, so we kind of had, we watched movies together. We played games together. Uh, great time, really like, considered like my favorite time of my life, uh, those first few years of college uh, when you could just be young, meet people, talk, share, talk about deep things. and But it was also a, a new time to explore uh, differing opinions, different people's values. I We lived next door to some very conservative Christians who we saw eye to eye with and... Jeff and I both adored our neighbors, uh, attracted to them. Um, but we had some very deep conversations about religion and conservatism. And I remember uh, many scenarios walking on campus. And this is Bellingham. This is Western Washington University. So some might consider it some of the most liberal uh, area. And I was aware of that, but I didn't know what that meant. Uh, but just coming across people who would say things, and I was like, oh, I don't I don't get that and I I really I think I was walking into a world where if you said you were a Christian It might have actually been a negative hit against you right away as compared to when I was in Spokane saying you were Christian meant Oh, you're part of the team. Uh, So I was very faced with this uh, this this conflict and uh, Then there's Alex and I I don't remember when we learned this but Alex had talked about uh, kind of his history kind of where he stood on religion um, Alex, do you remember any conversations early on about that? I, I, I don't remember many, but I know it came up.
1: I don't remember how it came up, but I'm guessing it probably came up pretty early because at that time in my life, I was very, I fa- fancied myself very philosophical and it was always something I wanted to discuss or talk about. And you and your, and Jeff, their twin, you guys were the same way. So
0: that's yeah.
1: pretty early.
0: Yeah, and uh, Alex is a philosopher, educator, uh, driver, humanitarian, uh, writer. So he has you know all these things he can exchange and think about and uh, stuff that I, I was you know wasn't even on the uh, my agenda. And Alex, as a wise man, has a lot of uh, processes as he thinks things through. And uh, he was a, a great person for Jeff and I to talk to because uh, he thought things through. And it, it wasn't enough for us just, just to think, oh, he's not a religious person, so he loses or we don't understand. But we had to be understand what he was meaning and what he was talking about. <sighs> yeah, so we're, we're kind of we're butting up against this kind of finally leaving uh, my insulated life of one way of thinking and, and reasoning and religion. And over the years of, of living on campus, uh, we were friends with Alex and Jeff and uh, Jeff's wife to be Sarah Ah, uh, there was plenty of people around us that also had differing views, but there was a, a lot, quite a few Christian uh, type people. There was some Catholics. Um, great conversations um, across the board. Uh, but, but here's kind of the kind of the thing that I wanted to get to first was, um, Alex, if you can remember, did you have any misgivings or concerns or stories that related to us being religious, my brother and I, and feeling that the, like that set you apart from us?
1: Um, yeah, I did. I mean, there's always. Whenever as an atheist and you meet someone who's a Christian and very devout, I mean, there is always a wall there. And it's always about how you bridge that wall and I felt like. I felt I remember feeling sad because I really wanted to be your guy's friend and I really liked you and we got along really well. And then uh, and I knew there was always going to be that wall between us that we could never quite bridge. Um so to be honest, I can't remember any specifics. But yeah, I I do remember having that thought quite a bit. And since we were in school and we were young, I do remember a, a lot of it revolved around like whether to go out and drink and go out like party and all that kind of stuff. But you and Jeff knew were do not down with that.
0: Yeah, we would have, um, it probably was a short conversation and we probably would have said something like, well, you can't drink before you're 21. And like, that was it. Like there wasn't like an open, uh, dispute. And I think that even when we turned 21 in college, I don't think we went out drinking. I don't even think we went out and, uh, had a party. I remember you guys had, had done a birthday party for us. And of course there was uh sparkling cider, uh, you know, and I think you guys, it was a little bit of a joke as you guys did it, but you knew it's what we would have wanted and, and not have the alcohol. So um, I remember um, a few interactions that it seemed like they ended short. Um, and, I, you know, I, I remember really felt like I wanted to beat the uh, dead horse. I think that we established early the differences and, and didn't go into it. I, I remember that, Alex, you do you remember when you came to church with us? Yeah. What do you remember from that? If you do anything. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I mean, I had been to church before, and this was uh, – so it wasn't anything unexpected. And I – like, the one thing I really do like about church is the fact that it's it's a community of people, and, like, everyone wants to be there, and everyone wants to help. Um, and then I remember there was some sort of Christian rock going on was a service into young folks, and kind of rolled my eyes at that. And, you know, and even – I don't remember the exact – but I remember trying to get an, o- an open mind to basically take the the moral message without the God, word, without the divine word. Yeah, I
0: Yeah, I, I, if I remember correctly, when we got home, you said he seemed a little preachy. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, he did. But I'm sure that was just a joke, too.
0: Yeah, no. Yeah. <laughs> um Yeah, and I, you know, looking back, it was a mega church. I mean, it was it's thousands of people there. Uh, They have four services. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I don't, I don't go to church like that now. Um, There's less of those. I think in Spokane, my understanding is that there's more centralized.
1: I I really haven't been to like a small church service. Most of the ones I've been to have been have been a large mega church, and they were mostly when I was younger. So that's kind of really all I my experience.
0: Yeah, and I want to say I think you even asked us if you wanted to go because I, I don't I don't remember like trying to push you to do a church or uh, be religious. I, I kind of remember like just kind of leaving it where it was. So I was kind of like, oh okay, well why don't we go? Um, it was a one time thing from what I remember, but uh, I think we talked shortly about it and like that was it. Which um, is I, what's kind of interesting here is that my goal if I was a young person would have been to meet atheists and convert them. And I just I was kind of stuck with this i don't know if I want to do this here, which was new to me um yeah, you because
1: I think our relationship would have been not the same would have, it probably wouldn't have been as deep if you tried to do that
0: yeah, exactly I, I think that's exactly the point i'm I'm thinking of is that uh by kind of setting that aside, there was many more opportunities uh to grow in community and and, and knowledge of one another and and morals um and, and have you, have you ever been part of a, a structured religious group?
1: Uh, no. So I grew up in a household that I, it was much more about re reason and kind of finding your own path, your own way. To, if you wanted to find God, you know, my parents were totally okay with that. Both my parents grew up in organized religion. My dad was a, ca- a Catholic, you know, he was taught by nuns. Um, And that's probably why he's not religious anymore. He has a lot of uh, stories about mean old nuns. Um, So I think when they had kids, they were both kind of like, you know, we don't know all the answers. When you get older, you can find that out for yourself. Because I remember being annoyed as a kid when I would ask them, you know, is there a God? And they would say, well, like, what do you think? You know, and they would direct the question back at me. Now as an adult, I see what they were doing. I Appreciated, but as a kid, I was like, "No, I just want to know: is there a God?" You know, I don't. And then, pretty much everyone in my family is—we're all pretty atheist.
0: Yeah, yeah. I would say, growing up in my world, it was about answering all the questions, not leaving them open, which is one thing that I've become very critical of as I've gotten older. shoving certain answers into kids and then changing those answers as they get older and then saying okay you get to go when you're 18 now you know don't lose the faith you know yeah i i can see that as many of the reasons why people in uh, the christian tradition have just left uh because it didn't take very long for me to ask questions that there really wasn't an answer or the answer i got was wrong um and how about this question uh why aren't you a christian
1: uh, well, I'd say the number one reason was because I'm not I wasn't raised a, a Christian um, but it never it never made sense to me um, And then as I got older and I read more of the Bible, it just became apparent to me that it was an extremely flawed book written by humans. It never seemed divinely inspired if it was. Inspired. It was still inspired. It was full of flaws and contradictions. And I mean, just on a personal level, I never like, the, the, the concept of a all knowing God never really made sense. Yeah.
0: yeah, you're a little echoey, like underwater. But I, I, I heard you fine. I that, and that's one of the things that I ha- have probably suffered with is that. If we put God in a position where God's all powerful, all knowing, uh, then we really have to answer the questions like, why does so many bad things happen? And I grew up in a world where they said, well, that's just because sin exists and you have free choice. And somehow that actually was an excuse for God to not help us or save us. Or that somehow the answer is like, well, when you die, you'll be saved, So it's all good. And those become much more difficult questions. It really in all religions, I'd say. Um, because we all try to answer these questions a little different to feel better about ourselves, and so I, I definitely register what you're saying. You know, what, I, I
1: what, think that that was a big issue too. Was um, like I grew up in an area where there there were a lot of Christians and there were a lot of Mormon. The the Mormon faith. I mean, I don't want to be rude or anything, but it never made sense to me in terms of being an American and all that. That that's just. Mm-hmm. Um, ah, okay. a way to start but just the fact that christians themselves couldn't agree or that they could look at the same passage in the bible and disagree so much about it um it just it undercut the whole idea for me and then also the more i like and it's hard for me to separate the old testament from the new and the old testament that i that i knew God wasn't an extremely immortal person or a being, you know? Destroying the world more than once and destroying Sahaja or a fortune related to Job. Well, you, 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 no matter what you did or, or lost life turned to salt or just looking behind it. And then the Ten Commandments, when I learned those and learned that half of them were about... The first five are about god being a jealous god you know, i'm having millions of him it just it quite honestly it struck me as an immoral way to live
0: yeah yeah um yeah i think the old testaments just should be challenging for for any religious person uh considering it and i i, I always find it odd that when i get into arguments let's not call them arguments but discussions about this topic that that there's somehow an overarching theme that means that we just have to say it's true, it happened, and it's just God doing that. And I think I've arrived at a place where if we really were to sit down and put all human beings and ask these questions of ourselves, we might not define God as just good. There's just no way from our world. Now, people will then say like, well, we don't understand God and his judgment and his righteousness. Sure, fine, but that doesn't help us answer what we're living with today. Uh, so yeah, let, let's move on to the next question here. Um, so if you don't, uh, well, actually, you know what? Here, I'll I'll just kind of extrapolate. I, I when I came from as a Christian, uh, we used to look down on people because we could tell them that well, we have God, which is above us, and so we have this higher authority, this higher law, this higher kind of desire to do things, and that somehow that made us better than everyone uh, because it wasn't us making up our mind, uh, which is ironic because you'll find that, as you said, Alex, all these people had different ideas about things. No one agreed on things. And the problem is is that most people in this country have decided what they think the Bible means, and it seems to agree with them, their worldview. Um, So really that kind of leads to the next question, which is, well, where, where does the moral foundation come if you're not religious?
1: Yeah, so that's, I mean, that's the complex question. And I think morals are... An intricate weaving of virtues of from uh reason and rationale for humans, uh, empathy and just basic in I don't I don't think there needs to be a divine inspiration for that. For them for those to be more. I mean you can look at some atheistic philosophies like utilitarianism as you're trying to, like, reduce the amount of suffering in the world. And, I mean, I think there's some of that, and then there's also issues with that. Uh, but, I mean, to answer your question no, I don't really know, to be honest. And I think if if you were to take everyone, say there was, like, World War Three tomorrow, and we had to reset, and you didn't remember... Nothing from the old world survives humanity has to totally reset it. I think humanity would reach the same morals that we have now, or very same. You know, Don't kill, don't steal, treat unto others, the golden rule. Just because that makes sense. But I think the religion that would pop out of that, it would be, who knows what it would be. You know, it could be a polytheistic religion. Would it be Christian? About Christ? You know, I I doubt it. But I think the morals would be the same. So I think, I think that says a lot that the morals come from and not from the divine source.
0: Yeah, good point. Um, Yeah, if you were to restart it, and there wasn't really this kind of lingering uh, biblical tradition or scriptures uh, and people had to decide. I, I remember that in my anthropology classes, we talked about the across all communities, cultures, there were certain uh, definitive default answers to certain moralities, uh, kind of like the ones you just expressed. We, we just know these things. And when we can reason and think, we just can't go out and kill our neighbor, take their things, treat them with disrespect. Um, I'm currently watching this, uh, samurai Japan Japanese history, uh, in the, from 1500s and their whole lives were just conquer each other, kill each other. And that was even including Buddhism. Ironically, uh, at least to today's standard, Buddhists were not peaceful people in Japan. They were like warlords and they had bases that were like castles and that, that the warlords actually went to attack the Buddhists because they were a threat to them. They were a military threat. Um, as compared to what we think today of Buddhists being peace loving, uh, you know, and suffering, uh, personal fulfillment kind of thing. And I, I, sometimes I think to myself that, um, you know, religion, you know, if you're kind of going the Nietzsche, uh, or, or like Karl Marx kind of thinking is that religion is, is kind of a means to an end. Um, they were supposed to make peace, which obviously history has not proved that, or it's a means to an end to control people. And that's kind of the biggest critique I get is today is that I, I see religion, many people's religion is just a uh, uh, connected to some political uh, uh, angle, which I think you had that sentiment when we started chatting first in, in, in uh, college.
1: Yeah, it's, it's like being an outsider looking in like church, especially if you go to like a big church, like a megachurch or I mean, like Catholicism with like the Pope and all that. It's always just seemed to me to be a way to structure power and myth.. right? Um, and it didn't even have anything to do with morals. Like, the morals were a secondary afterthought. And if it was convenient to kill, then you could find a, ju- a justification in the Bible of a wage rule or to kill someone. And if it was convenient to steal, I mean, just look at, like, the beginning of America and manifest destiny if we're a supposedly Christian nation, like how many Native Americans did we kill and how much land did we steal and all of that? Uh, but we did it because we wanted power, because we wanted more. And that's that's what church has always seemed like to me, and that the morals come as an act.
0: Yeah, we even uh, inserted new legal uh really legalese, so that we could take land from Native Americans and prove to ourselves that it was just. So there was a thing called the discovery rule. Um, basically land had to be cultivated, used, owned uh, to be uh, in a category where you couldn't take it from someone. So the argument at the time was that, well, Native Americans, they do have a special relationship with the land, but they don't own it. They don't control it. And in fact, they even argue that they they don't, right? They're, they're in some type of a balance with it. And so if you're the first one to discover the land, put your stake in the ground, it's yours. And we use that manifest destiny to go and stake the land and continue to push the Native Americans, kill them. Uh, potentially, I, the numbers I've heard is 15 million, but I don't know if that's the most up-to-date, but could have been much more. I mean, they were expansive across this continent. Um, and then we say, oh, our founding fathers were Christian, and the Constitution is Christian, and... Uh, but we have slaves, and that's in the Constitution. Uh, yeah. So we we, we we wipe out Native Americans. We use people with dark skin as our slaves to you know help us build this world uh, that's now this prominent powerhouse, military, economic, and then we pat ourselves on the back.
1: Right, but is that you know is that moral? You know, would 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 Jesus want to to do that?
0: Yeah, I, I would. And and I
1: I don't know how you would justify any other way. And um, so things like that, like just, it's difficult for me to like square that circle to to think about it. I mean, maybe you could just say they're being bad Christians, but it just, it never made sense. It never made sense to me. And then, um, I mean, speaking of the founding fathers being rich, rich, Jeff. Jefferson uh, rewrote the Bible, took out all divine mentions of Christ. So,
0: to the yeah, I'm actually glad you brought that up. It's something I've wanted to talk about on this podcast. I, when I was younger, I would have been like, "Ooh, you can't just cut out things of the Bible, make it what you want." And now, now looking back at, at 40, I'm like, "No, I get it. I understand." Because one, everyone does this anyway, even if they haven't. Physically done it. They we we, we look at what we call controlling versus this will be the same thing we do in our legal system I go to the judge there's competing law and I tell the judge here's the controlling law this case Controls and this is why I should win my client should win because of this the other side then finds something similar But it says a different thing. It might be a different courthouse or a different state and they might argue it a little differently and say like well This is how fairness is in our in our country and blah 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 and somebody wins, but yet those both those cases still exist, and people still make those arguments. And I, I mean, I've done the same thing. I may have a physical Bible on my desk, but it, it's I've decided as I've gone through it that I said, well, I think love dominates not going to war and killing for God. I don't think the Crusades were good. I think that will always look bad on the Christians. But when I was young, actually I thought the Crusades were good. I thought these were like holy warriors doing good, and now I think, oh, this is the darkest part of our Christian experience um so but yeah yeah the Jefferson Bible um I think kind of just in my mind now just brings to light what we all do um and, and just to take the expansion onto like modern day issues you know I I grew up in a world in the 90s which is quite a bit different now um, 30 years later on some of these topics but um we began saying that like these are the morals you're supposed to have as a Christian which oddly enough meant that you're supposed to stop the gays from getting married. You're just supposed to make it so they can't see each other when they're dying. and um, But now, you're supposed to protect guns.
1: Maybe I... I mean, I'm not a bi- biblical uh, expert at all, but Jesus didn't say anything about being gay, did he?
0: Uh, no, I don't think so. Uh, and and I, this is going to be an old podcast uh, to go over. I, I read books on this and kind of have learned this uh, topic. But the, the short answer is kind of along with what you're saying is that they're, number one, they didn't use the same language we do today uh, the, with the term like homosexual didn't come into existence until like 1880. And it didn't even find its way into the Bible until 1947. Right? So that, that should be just those two facts should make someone realize like, ooh, maybe there's more to this story. Go, go to the King James Version. Of course, homosexuality, the terminology was not in there. So it wasn't even close to 1880. Uh, but yeah, I, I think that's the point is that if you look at seven verses or six verses about homosexuality and you think that that wins in the Bible, I think you're offsetting thousands of thousands literally of verses about love and understanding. And Jesus uh, being with the unclean, being with the people who are downtrodden, the unclean, like someone who had a, a medical condition with uh, someone that he spent time with. And even the most devout people at that time would have looked the other way, walked down the other side of the road. And that was the message Jesus was telling us. And here we are today finding ways to make their lives more miserable, closing them down or, or saying that we're, we're going to build a wall for immigration, even though protecting and helping the foreigners is, is a, a biblical command. Um, and then trying to insert what the Bible says about abortion when ignoring like children and families of broken families that don't have full uh, both parents there to help um, or even thinking about miscarriages. Like apparently that's God's doing the miscarriage. So that's OK. But that's is that a killing? but then abortion is something else. Uh, a lot of topics to cover uh, and, and get into, but uh, we're going to run out of time here. Uh, so we're, I think we're at the 30, over 30 minute mark here. So I'd like to try to wrap this up. Any other kind of last thoughts or things you wanted to kind of bring up before we close out today?
1: I mean, you started the the conversation with the, the question, you know, are atheists more moral than Christians? And, my answer to that really is you no. Know, I don't think so. Um, I don't think whatever group or tribe you belong to more moral. Um, the only thing I would say is like, is it more moral for someone to come to these moral beliefs than their own? It's more moral, like, to just not want to steal because you betray God's witness to you and punish you. Um, so I think maybe there's an issue there, but for the most part, he you know, a the person. But you know, when I meet someone and they say they go to church, uh, maybe when I was younger I would have judged them a little bit more, but I, you know, I, I, I don't, I don't judge them anymore. I just I think think well, okay, but how do you react? You're know, you gonna lie. So, so to answer your question, I I don't think.
0: I was actually going to try to answer that question at the end here. I, but I'll, I'll leave it more at this. I, I think that when I was younger, I used to actually think that atheists were definitely more faithful than Christians because on one level, uh, atheists are really in a minority, although that's growing now, uh, in a minority of, of people, and you have you know billions of people saying there's this higher power, there's this higher existence. You know, beyond that, and they're saying, you know what? I don't, I don't think so. So to me, it's very brave to be atheist, um, um, but also very faithful because you're also on one cl- on one side of the equation saying, I don't think there's an afterlife, and all these other people are trying to live their lives to think that they can make it there, and the atheist has really just come to a decision that like maybe my eighty years on this life uh, of life here is that's it, and I'm just gonna do the best I can.
1: Yeah, I think that. That
0: you all said. All right. Well, Alex, I want to thank you for being on the show. Uh, we'll bring this one to a conclusion here and keep these on our cl- shorter time uh, spots. But uh, thanks again for being here. And we want to wish you all shalom.
1: Yeah. I'm glad we solved that.
0: I'm done. <laughs> yeah. I think we did. All right. Thank you.